What's up friends, happy mid-October. I'm so excited to be sharing this interview and conversation with you guys today. I am jamming out with my new friend, Tanya Shaw. Tanya is a sought after life and health coach. She's founder of the Fit and Vibrant You Coaching Programs, host of the Fit and Vibrant Podcast, She is owner of Ascend Fitness and Lifestyle, which is a holistic health coaching studio just outside of Vancouver, Canada. Today, we're talking about self-sabotage, how it might show up and what to do about it. We also dive into the gut-brain connection and how getting in these cycles of self-sabotage can actually activate microbiome dysbiosis, which is a fancy way of saying that your gut just gets messed up and that it in turn impacts your mental health. So it creates this cycle and we want to help you break free from that. So we're talking about that today. We're also going to dive into to discipline versus rigidity, what's the difference, and how to implement discipline without going back to some of those old rigid rules that maybe were disordered or led us to a not so great place with food and exercise at one point in our life. I'm so excited for you guys to be here for this conversation. Be sure you connect with Tanya on Instagram. She's Tanya underscore Shaw, and that's Tanya T-A-N-J-A. You can also find her at her podcast, which is the Fit and Vibrant You Podcast. Alrighty, friends, let's go ahead and dive in. Hey, awesome. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I know you're ready to stop falling into diet culture traps and finally put together a realistic plan on how to boost your energy. You might feel stuck because you can't quite kick the chocolate habit. The whole body love thing isn't getting the job done. Or maybe you're at an impasse because you are pushing it in the gym, but you can't figure out how and what to eat. How many times have you Googled best diet and found that the latest trend has failed you? Hey girl, I'm Jess, registered dietitian, wife, mama, and total science and nutrition research junkie. I too used to be stuck in the cycle of insecurity and never feeling like my body was good enough. Then I tried to fix it with food only to end up right back where I started. I did some really hard work. I found food freedom, but then I was confused on how to eat healthy and get fit without falling back into diet culture crazy. I wish someone would have taught me the difference between discipline and obsession. I wanted to be the healthiest version of myself by balancing healthy eating with food freedom. Like how do I actually eat healthy, get fit, and have donuts with my kids? It wasn't until I figured out this awesome balance between discipline and permission, the art of intentional eating with sprinkles of flexibility. The empowered eating model was born. Here on the show, we nix diet culture while creating values-based health goals. We reconnect with how our body responds to food through biofeedback, all the while figuring out a plan on how to get healthy and fit without sacrificing the most meaningful parts of life. Sustainability doesn't mean never eating your favorite foods again. I mean, pizza is life, right? (laughs) We are here to finally not just feel comfortable, but confident in our body. I am so excited to fuel your awesome with empowered eating. Head on over to JessBrownRD.com and grab my three steps to empowered eating guide totally free. Or hop onto my e-course, Food Foundations, to get the step-by-step deets on how I got here. All right, you ready to take your inner awesome to the next level? So grab that cup of coffee, lace up those running shoes, because girl, it's time to go. Well, what's up, Tanya? I'm so excited to chat with you today. This is going to be fun. We have a common love of paddleboarding. I I know that was something that when you and I first connected, it was like a oh, fellow paddleboarder. Oh, which by the way, I got to tell you what I'm doing here in the next couple of days. Do you know what the balloon fiesta is here in Albuquerque, New Mexico? No. Okay. So it's a, it's called the international balloon fiesta. It's every single year. And there are no joke. There's gotta be a thousands of balloons. I mean, it's, it fills our entire sky. New Mexico is unique in the sense that it has this 
oh gosh, I'm going to botch this, but it's, it's called the box, like balloons. And at this time of year, the way the weather is and the temperature, like it creates this box. So balloons could like go up and then go around in a box pattern and come back to where they started. And so people, balloonists fly in from all over the world to come to this. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. But I'm doing a paddleboard boarding tour on the river under the balloons on Saturday. That's going to be fun. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, so I just had to tell you that because, uh, you know, our, our love for paddleboarding, but, um, we had talked about starting with just like an intro, like name, what's your superpower and then worst haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I'm hoping that was when I was a young kid, but I'm not sure how long ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment here. Well, I'll start with my superpower and in my coaching, I think my superpower is to be able to uncover what's actually going on and to call my clients out with kindness and honesty, because sometimes there's like that thing. And I'm like, I just can like get there, but I also want to do it in a way that's compassionate and that challenges them. And so thankfully they're also really receptive to it. And I, and I do say ahead of time that I'm kind, but I'm honest because I think that's, what's going to get uh, the results. Um, let's start with your superpower. That's awesome. Well, that just to like reflect on yours first, that's not an easy job because like getting to the root of some things can be so challenging, um, but doing it with compassion. That's a great superpower. I love that. Um, my superpower is definitely creating empowered eaters. So a lot of my history includes like disordered eating and then a career in dietetics. And so I, my superpower is helping people return to intentional or targeted nutrition and just that love for fueling our body without going back to like obsession or diet culture or getting caught in some of that stuff that I think elicits shame. Um, so that's definitely my superpower. And then my worst haircut was I studied abroad in college and I just like on a whim, it was a different, hum- uh, the humidity was higher than it is where I live. And so when I got there, my hair went from being straight to very like frizzy. And okay. I had no products. I didn't know how to manage it. I had never had frizzy hair. So I cut it all off. I mean, I went from hair below my shoulders to a spiky, like fairy cut. And, you know, it, it was like therapeutic looking back. I mean, there was a lot of like growth I did. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of growth through that. <laughs> yeah. I had to go, okay, I'm more than my hair. Like it helped me establish confidence outside of my appearance. So there was a lot of good that came from it. But looking back, like I did not look good with a short pixie cut. It was not attractive. <laughs> Do not recommend for me again. <laughs> Lesson learned. Like I said, there's, there's growth there. Yeah. For me, when I was in high school, I decided I was going to be a punk rocker and I cut my hair really short and dyed it platinum blonde. And that was when I was about 17, 18, looking back, I'm like, yes, it was a phase. It was a stage. I loved it at the time, but not my best look either. And actually just the other day, I, I want to get my hair cut now because I cannot stand having it down ever, but now it's just getting too long to have it up for my liking too. But I thought I could just take it all off. I didn't, I don't think I will. But I'm like, I could. I could see you rocking it. <laughs> and I, I could see you doing it. That. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I think I'll just be a regular. I don't know. I'm pretty standard with my hair. So I've calmed down. <laughs> it's one of those you're like, will I regret this? Will this be an emotional decision? My pixie cut was. 
my hairdresser's always like, wait two weeks. If you still want it after That's two weeks, I was, <laughs> I was actually wondering if the hairdressers, if I like, I actually thought, I'm like, what would happen if I just asked them to shave my head? Not that I would actually do that. It's kind of like, you know, when you go to the, the edge of a, a really high building, you're like, what would happen if I just like stepped off? And you would never do it. Like, you never, but then you thought, like, you actually could if you really wanted to. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that's, that thought's actually terrifying. But, um, when it comes to your hair, I'm like, they probably, I wonder if they just would tell you like, no, absolutely not. you gotta wait, like you gotta sign this form and then wait two weeks. And then come back. Right. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. So, oh, uh, well, let's dive right in, Tanya. I love that we're talking about today, which sounds like it's really in alignment with your superpower. This idea of like self-sabotage. I'm just kind of curious, how do you define self-sabotage when you're talking with your folks? Yeah. So I use the word, I use the language of self-sabotage because a lot of my clients identify with, identify with it. I'm a lot of, we've been, we talk about self-sabotage, but I actually find it, the word itself too dramatic and too vague. I like just thinking about the thing that you're doing that's out of alignment with the person you want to be. Mm, that's all it is. That's good. It's, it's like, I'm, I want to lose weight, but I'm nighttime eating. So instead of calling it self-sabotage, I just call it, well, you're nighttime eating, like, or so that's how I define it. And then there's all the reasons why and everything, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's intentionally harmful. I don't think we're doing it to really harm ourselves for the most part, although that could be the case. Maybe it is self-sabotage for some people, but it's just being out of alignment. Yeah. I love that. It, it takes some of, like you said, the drama out of it and it really puts like the power back in your hands, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It clarifies the problem. I really like that. Now you talk, I know, and we have chatted about this before, but just for those listening about like what happens physiologically when we are out of alignment with some of our, our, the people we want to be in the actions we want to do, to do, to carry out and be that person. Talk to me a little bit about that. I'm so curious. Yeah. It's a really, it's a pain point that we don't really talk about. Like we don't, we don't really articulate it. We know that we, like, let's say we want to lose weight, we want to eat healthier, and then you go to the bag of chips or in the staff room, there's the donuts and you call it self-sabotage. But when you are actually out of alignment with the person that you truly want to be, so you want to be that healthy, vibrant woman, and then you are not that person and you know that you're not. And sometimes we are, but we aren't giving ourselves credit for the things that we're doing and we have unrealistic expectations. But there's this pain point that's quite deep-rooted that we don't even really can't really identify or articulate and it's there it's that incongruency and it's it costs us a lot it costs us trusting ourselves liking mm-hmm. ourselves mm-hmm. how we speak to ourselves how we and and so it, it's just this and in a lot of times for a lot of women it's the negative self-talk afterwards and all of that also creates a bit of a stress response on the body because you're not at, you're not at peace. You're not, you're not, you're not who you want to be. And it's one of those, again, those pain points that we don't necessarily verbalize or articulate, but we feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Where like we might be carrying out some of these actions and then like it's showing up in, in stress, like in the form of elevated cortisol and like, mm-hmm. why am I so stressed? Why is my brain running a hundred miles per hour? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, as you know, and we all know that stress is not the best thing when it comes to making better decisions or taking care of our health. I mean, some stress is good, but um, you know, how much we, how much we carry is going to be really impactful for us as well. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say like, that's something that 
like in, in gut health world, we really look at is like when someone's stressed, their gut and their, their stomach and their intestines actually take a certain posture. So this is one of the coolest things I've ever learned is that like, you know how you can be in any culture, any language, like this is cross-cultural that you could look at someone if they smile, you know, that means they're happy. It's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I understand that. It's a universal symbol for a certain emotion. Well, they've found that guts take a universal posture for certain emotions. So if we feel stressed or if we feel angry or if we feel sad, there are certain postures that the gut takes. And what, you know, I find really interesting about this idea of like, you know, having an action that's out of alignment and then feeling stressed about it. And then like the way that cycle continues in terms of like our gut is when we are stressed, our gut takes a certain posture and maybe we're not absorbing food as well. Maybe our, our microbiome is starting to metabolize some of these, um, metabolites that they can impact our mental health. They're sent straight to our brain. And so it actually amplifies the cycle. And I share that just because I think knowledge is power. And so knowing that sometimes these cycles that we get stuck in, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable and they're hard to break, but they're hard to break because physiologically there's mm-hmm. major things going on. Yeah. And, and you're the, the knowledge and power. The more you learn, the more you realize like why it's so important. You just layer on all of that, like that, ammunition to say like, no, I need to take care of this. And here's exactly why. Um, one other thing you said there that I think I'd love for you to elaborate on a bit more, Jess, is like when you have these uh, gut issues, it can also augment the cravings and how you can, and your desire for more sugar and, and carbs and to feed the bacteria. So I don't know if you can talk a bit more about that. Cause I think that's absolutely fascinating. And when those things sometimes you can't use willpower or willpower just doesn't work for, for long because there's actually things that are going on. Yeah. I'd love to. And I, I, the angle I look at it from is more through the lens of like the mental health. So the gut brain connection. So when we have stress and for whatever reason, you know, whether it's, it's work, things outside of our control, or maybe it's our own actions that are out of alignment with what we're wanting to do, whatever it is, like the body doesn't care. The body just feels stress, right? Like the body just feels cortisol. Well, when the gut then is receiving food, we have some of the, the less, I guess, less happy bacteria, I would call them (laughs) (laughs) like the bacteria we don't want a lot of, they start to take some of our food and they digest it, breaking it down and produce something called metabolites or short chain fatty acids. And those are then sent to the brain through the vagus nerve and they send a message. And the way I think of it is when like you're listening to music, you know how like you can have a good song on in the background and it just like, you might not even be listening to the words, but it's got a good beat and you feel good. You could also have like an annoying song in the background. Like I have kids that play some really annoying <laughs> music. What's their one right now? It's like cat flushing the toilet. It's the most obnoxious song. Oh, they think it's hilarious. But if that's playing in the background, I might not really be intentionally listening to it, but it's annoying to me and it changes how... I'm interacting with whatever task I'm doing. So the metabolites that our gut microbiome produce have a similar effect. It sends a tune to our brain, which then Mm. changes the interactions we have in that present moment. And we may not even really like know it. We just know we kind of feel weird. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like, you know, trying to make changes and trying to not be in these cycles, it's like when we are stressed and then we're eating foods that 
on top of that, that may amplify the, the foods for that unhappy bacteria, that message to our brain, that tune to our brain just gets louder and louder. And it can make it really hard to start eliciting change because we're just like, why? I'm just grumpy. I just feel, ugh. Mm-hmm. And then the cycle just keeps going keeps over going. and over again. And then because you feel, eh, you eat the eh, foods and then you can't feel, and that, that eh, meh, it sums it up. Um, I think totally well. And I know we're going to get into this a little bit more and I actually kind of want to just, you'll just dive right into a little bit more, uh, for take, take a couple steps forward here, but I think one of the issues that a lot of uh, women struggle with, especially when you have that more dieting mindset or history, which a lot of both of our, the, the women that men, like, I think you work with men, women and men. But, I, I um, target women, but I work with a lot of men yeah. <laughs> in the background. I was yeah. like, I want, I want to clarify that. Um, but what a lot of people deal with is also like, how do I make these changes now? So it's important that I actually change the food that I'm eating, but how do I do that without reverting back to that? diet mindset. And I know that's um, one thing I work on as well, because I think that you can have like the food freedom and the, and the, and the, all the mindset and self-love in the world, but you can still just be not doing the right actions for your body. And that's why I think it's really important that we look at both. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to start in, on, on that. And I know, <laughs> I think we kind of had a bit of a plan. I'm kind of jumping ahead, but we're going to get, <laughs> I'm just going to take it that way. I love it. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point. Cause it's this whole idea of like intuitive eating. Can we eat intuitively and I I do believe we can eat intuitively, but it depends how we define that and how I define eating more intuitively and food freedom is balancing biofeedback and nutrition science. So in other words, like we have to consider both. You know, I think when I started my own intuitive eating journey, it was very, um, I had to do some healing. Like I had to go through a period of, because I had been for so long in like the restrictive mode, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't have this, the food rolls. Like I had to go through a period of time where it was permission enjoy the foods, eat the corn dog, eat some Oreos, like all of that. I had to go through that. But at some point, like you said, like we're, we find that we may not be doing the things for our body that necessarily support us physiologically. Kind of like what I was talking about with the microbiome stuff, right? Like if we're eating foods that trigger this response, we might be setting ourselves up physiologically to not handle stress the way we would like to. So I think we got to combine both. Like we have to hear what our body says about food. And we also have to know like the science, we got to understand what's happening when we consume some of these foods. Yeah. I mean, what you said about intuitive eating too, I think is you're right. Like a lot of people who uh, go through that diet cycle, it's like the pendulum has been pulled back so far for mm-hmm. so long that when you release it, just like swings wildly to the other side. And then it's got to, you got to go through that. And sometimes there's weight gain and things like that that happen. Then yeah. that could be kind of scary, right. For, for a lot of dieters, but then eventually you end up in this middle where you start to actually want to eat better because you want to feel good and getting to that state of intuitive eating or just getting the biofeedback, like you said, is also not always the easiest first step because when you can't identify the signals because your um, your gut microbiome is um, not healthy, or you're having these cravings, or your your blood sugar is not balanced, and you just want the carbs all the time, uh, it, you can't just listen to what's going on because you have no idea, and the signals aren't the right signals. They're signals that are um, that are firing because of an unhealthy body, mm-hmm. and so that's I love how you said that, and that there is no 
black or white way of looking at it. You know, the diet industry and and social media, it's really very much blacker way out there. It's, mm-hmm. you know, ditch the scale and never weigh yourself and eat whatever you want anytime. Or it's like, you know, follow this <laughs> exact plan and you can absolutely uh, mix them both. And I think it works really well. And sometimes when you find that mix, it doesn't feel like it did when you followed the diet plan mm-hmm. because it feels more like figuring it out. And sometimes it feels a bit gray <laughs> and, totally. and playing the shades of gray is kind of hard. It's, well, it can be scary, especially if you had a bad experience before, but I think, you know, hearing you outline it like that, it's important to remember it's a journey that mm-hmm. that is, you know, may change. And one of my sayings is like, what was healthy yesterday might not be healthy today and might not be healthy tomorrow. Like we're always evolving and changing. And so you're right. Like this pendulum might have to swing, but then it might swing back. And being open to that, I think is super important. I I'm curious, Tanya, when you work with women, um, do you like, do you find that there's a resistance to letting the pendulum swing? So like, for example, if you've got someone coming in who's been restricting for years or maybe not, not restricting, but just like in diet world, like I can't, I don't eat carbs. I don't do this. I, I mix dairy. I can't be around sugar, you know, all the rules. Like, mm-hmm. do you find there's a resistance to letting that go and a fear of letting the pendulum swing? See some, but for, for some of my clients, I, I would say yes, but for some, they don't need to come out, completely let it go. Mm. Like, and the great thing here is like, for, for some of them, they do like they give them full on permission. They eat whatever they want, whenever they want it. And they just let it go. But for a lot of, for a lot of women, they actually start to work on the mindset of like, I'm just gonna start to take care of myself. And the actions sometimes even for them are the same as they might've been doing before or trying to do, but the intention is different. And so they come at it from a place of like, I'm actually doing this for love, not because not like, sorry, not for love, but out of love for myself. And then from occasion, like they realize they, they are still, they, they think that they've overcome this all or nothing thinking, or they think that they now have a you know normal, peaceful relationship with food and something happens. And then they're like, ah, and that's also part of the journey too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like we get to this point where there's like this magical area where I will never have a disordered eating thought, or I'll never have like the tendency to be all or nothing. Like that's normal. Like you're going to have that, but now you have the tools to overcome it and to work Mm -hmm. through it Mm -hmm. and to call it out. So for a lot of my, my clients I work with, they don't actually, some do, but some don't go to that, that other uh, place. Um, And then I'm a big, um, I mean, I really recommend just planning things out too. And if if things that you think, if you want things, put them, put them on your plan and, and, and enjoy them. And they get to this point where food's just food and naturally it just, their cravings for those things go away anyway, because the reasons why we crave all those things, like, yeah, they taste delicious, but often because they are internally off limits mm-hmm. or yeah. externally because of the, the diet rules. But even if you don't have the diet rules, you still have it in your head that they're off limits. So when you realize right. like, like you, you really can have them and you do, they're like, or they do. And they're like, it's actually not that good. <laughs> oh, I know. I did this. I have to tell you, I did this experiment one time. I was teaching a mindful eating class and I passed out. Uh, do you guys have Dove chocolates in Canada? We do. Yeah. Okay. So I bought a bunch of different flavors. So I had like a seasonal one, like a strawberries and cream and then a peanut butter, like all these different flavors. And I passed it out to everyone and everybody got one. And I said, we're going to eat this mindfully. So I walked them through, you know, like unwrap it, smell it, read the quote, like all the stuff to ground them. And then I was like, take one tiny bite. So I was like, it should be about a fourth of this piece of chocolate. And I want you to roll it around your tongue and taste it. And of course I get all like the grumbling, like 
I will eat this in just a tiny bite, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just had everyone bear with me. And then I invited them to take a second bite. And then when they had half left, I prompted them to decide whether they or not they wanted to finish it based on how it tasted. And what they found is most of the class, I would say at least half, didn't even finish it because they were like, oh my gosh, I don't like the seasonal one. You know, I prefer, I was mad you didn't give me milk chocolate, but had I been in a like office setting and grabbed this walking down the hall, I would have just eaten it really quick. So I think like we, I, I think people would be so surprised to find out how much they may not even like some of the foods that they build up in their minds if they were to slow down and actually give themselves permission and taste it. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so true though. And and for some people, it's so, dis- I mean, for myself too, it's so disappointing. I know they were mad. <laughs> I'm like, I thought I liked it. Um, one of my clients for her was a Tim Hortons um, bagel and cream cheese. And it was like her thing that she's like, then she like slow down and taste it. She's like, this doesn't even taste I don't it. actually like it. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. And one of the things I say a lot is, you know, we say we love food. We think about food. We want food. We uh, dream about food. We plan food. We braid ourselves around about food. We judge ourselves. We like, everything food, except when we're actually eating. The food. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like, good. And, and and they ask me like a lot of people, like, a lot of them I work with, like, are you a fast eater, slow eater, moderate eater? And some are slow, which is awesome. But for a lot of them are completely just fast eaters. And they, they like the sensation of feeling less, not mm-hmm. the food itself. And I know we both work a lot of with like, because food is not, I mean, I, I believe that food is fuel, but food is so much more than fuel too. And food is enjoyment and pleasure and, totally. and wonderful things. And I don't think anyone needs to ever get to this point where food is just fuel and we only ever what a eat bummer. Like, yeah. I know. I'm like, I'm like, I know I'm going to be eating sometimes when I'm not hungry because the food just tastes good mm-hmm. or because, um, and sometimes even on this journey, you are going to go to food for emotional reasons, but the it's the, like the poisons in the dose. And, you know, do you have other coping skills and stuff like that too? Cause it's, I think it's part of normal eating that sometimes you do like <laughs> soothe yourself with a I love um, yes. ice cream or whatever, you know, and then you, and then you move on. It's, it's, um, even that, like get, getting the idea that we're going to get to this place, place where food is fuel, that is that all or nothing thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think that sets us off for the self-sabotage cycle, whatever you want to call it, because you all of a sudden eat food for pleasure or eat food because it's a birthday or eat food um, because you just want something sweet and you've had a tough day and you think that you've like failed everything and you're not doing it right when it's absolutely not the case. No, I love that. I I also love my brain is still kind of hanging with this permission to emotionally eat because that's another thing I think people don't talk about a lot. Um, And yeah, you're right. Like if we live in this place of where food is only fuel, we're, we're missing out on a lot of connection. I would say food's like the sixth love language. It is something that in our present day culture allows us to connect with people and communicate, but you're right. The, the would you say the poisons in the dose? I love that. Yeah. And, or if you don't have other coping tools, right? Exactly. But, oh my gosh. I totally jam out on a sad Thursday night watching Gossip Girl and eating my favorite <laughs> ice cream. And I, it makes me feel better. And I feel no guilt about that, but I think our, our culture and the black or white thinking has taught us that even that's not okay. Like we should never be able to do that. When in reality, like it can actually be really therapeutic when done with certain boundaries and knowing what you're doing in a sense of mindfulness. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of my clients right now, she's working on nighttime eating as, as many people do. Mm-hmm. And one of our strategies is to do her nighttime routine. And 
you know, the slowing down and the mindfulness and everything. But I said, like, after you do that, you still have permission to eat food because sometimes we don't do the mindfulness or the intentions because we just want to eat the food. And like, you still can just like, you know, just assess and do other things at the same time. And you might still go to food and that's totally okay. Um, I want to move on. Actually, uh, you have say something in your intro to your podcast often, and it's about, uh, I guess, discipline with a sprinkle of flexibility or something like that. It was really cute and always makes me think of a donut with the sprinkles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a donut it's something, girl. <laughs> it's something like that. And I'd love for you to talk a bit more about that. Cause again, we have this idea that's, is either like, well, I'm going to like, you know, just like want to lose weight or want to clean up things a bit or want to um, improve my diet. That means I'm going to go back to this like restrictive diet mindset. So talk to me a bit more about that. Yeah, that's, that would, I think be a part of like my deep passion in working with women and healing their food journey is this balance of, like you said, the disciplines with sprinkles of flexibility, um, grace and grit, intentionality and um, permission. So it's just balancing these two worlds. And really what I like to pull it back is like looking at the difference between discipline and rigidity. And I think that's a good litmus test for, are we making changes that are operating in an all or nothing black or white thinking mode? Or are we making changes that allow us to learn and grow and be the person we're trying to become? And so um, some of the things I have for discipline versus rigidity is like, I think of rigidity operating in the currency of shame. Like if I don't do this, I'm doing it wrong. I am something wrong. Whereas discipline has this like forward focus. Like there's always an opportunity to learn. It's more like the scientific process. If I try, um, I learn something and then I use that to move forward and do something um, in the future. Rigidity is going to be more rooted in insecurity and comparison where discipline's rooted in like the vision of who you want to become. Um, rigidity doesn't allow any room for error. Like you can't, you know, you cannot mess up. And if you do, the towel's been thrown in, it's just all hands are in the air and we're done. Whereas discipline learns every step of the way. And I think it's really important for us to decipher between those two, because when we're making changes, discipline is important. And a lot of people don't like that word. When I use that word with clients, I get some like, Oh, I don't want to do that. You know, <laughs> but it is part of the process. So that's why I'll use other words like intentionality or grit, but discipline is that committed intentional action. And at the same time, we have to leave room for life. Like we are human mm -hmm. and part of making this sustainable is those sprinkles of flexibility. Yeah. I agree with that word discipline. I use it as well. And do you get the same reaction? Well, I, I used to have the same reaction myself, so I totally get it. Mm. Like, it's like this, like, cause discipline is like, you get disciplined or it's very like, uh, like military or like hardcore and discipline. There's that book discipline equals free is freedom. Yes. And I agree that it is because it takes out a lot of the choice. And a lot of the struggles that we have with all of this is that we just flip flop back and forth between should I, should I not? Or we decide that we're going to be all in and lose the weight. And then we're like, well, you know what, maybe I don't want to. And then you go back and forth and that is such an uncomfortable place because you've never decided. So discipline, I think there's a lot of freedom there. And one thing I um, tell my clients a lot is to keep the goal, the goal, but stay flexible with the path. Mm -hmm. And the goal is not necessarily even weight loss and that could be part of it, but it's like, I want to be a healthy, fit, vibrant woman. So what does that look like? And being flexible with the path, because sometimes what that looks like on like today, when my son's having his birthday or yesterday, when I was, I, I fell really hard yesterday and I was at the hospital most of the day, just making sure I had no broken oh, no. bones. Oh my like, gosh. It was, it was the most ridiculous thing, but like 
what looks like success there is going to be different than, you know, what looks like success when I'm doing something different. So um, I think that's such a wonderful place, wonderful thing uh, thing that you shared and to recognize that that you're going to find your gray there. It's going to be like finding out what works for you, but then also using honesty because sometimes we like, well, I'm just being flexible, but like, "Mm, you're not just being flexible. You're actually giving yourself an out when you know that (laughs) you could be doing this. So um, I don't have the answers for you. And I don't think you have the answers for your clients either, but you can probably call them out and you can challenge them. And when you're honest with yourself, you can have your own answers as well. Right, right. It's like those guided questions, right? Like the prompts of just asking, like, is that really something that's in alignment with this goal you have set and this exactly. vision of what fit, vibrant and and your healthiest version of you looks like? Yeah. And um, I love to, like, when you look at the flexibility and everything and you are not just as all or nothing, you have so much room for creativity and there's always a solution. There's always an option. There's always something you could do that would be an improvement or that would be a better choice. And not to say you, that you'll always make the best choice or anything like that, but there's, there's so much like between A and Z, there's like, you know, 24 other letters of the alphabet that we get right. to choose from. Right. Oh, I love, um, I'm thinking about like this whole idea of discipline right now. And I am a big fan of it. Like discipline equals freedom. Jocko Willie. I love that stuff. I, it almost like taps into my inner I feel like I have this like inner hardcore side of me where I just like, I'm not, I'm such a girly girl, you know, I I am a princess at heart, but then I've got this side of me that like wants to be mm-hmm. intense. And so I think it hits on that, but I'm thinking back in like my own journey. And before I started implementing discipline, I also was pretty resistant. I'm just now like realizing this where it almost felt like making some of these intentional changes was like dangerous. Like if I did this, Mm -hmm. I'm going back to some of the old stuff that, that I used to do. So I'm just kind of curious with you and your initial resistance. Like, do you remember how you transitioned and were able to find this place where discipline does equal freedom? Yeah. um, How is, I think it evolved over many, many years. Right. (laughs) It was, it was 2015 that I really decided that what I was doing was not, not working. I think it's understanding what it looks like when you go back to being too restrictive for yourself. Mm, and it's not necessarily good. the actions, but I think it's the intention and the feelings. Because I mean, I think about people who are gluten-free, like they're celiac. They restrict gluten, obviously, but they can do it without obsession. And maybe like it's you want and, and, and you they could do it without all the emotional drama possibly oh that's maybe. good yeah emotional drama yeah so I think it's like we said before the actions are often the same it's the intention that's different mm-hmm. it's the way that you talk to yourself it's the reasons behind doing what you're doing do you want better for yourself or do you feel like you're not enough unless mm. and there's a little bit of a um yeah there's a little bit of a difference there when I think of myself, like no matter if I've gained a couple of pounds or lost a couple of pounds or whatever, like I love myself. Mm-hmm. And when I want more, I'm like, well, I'm great the way I am. Like I'm actually, I feel great and I want more. And not to say that you have to even get to that place before you want more either. I mean, there's a lot of women who are like, well, I don't love myself or I don't love my body or I don't respect my body yet, which is fine. You can still, you can still take action. But I think that that comes from honesty and no one really knows except for you. But when you slow down, you ask yourself the questions and you allow yourself to just answer them um, with and feel safe to answer them and no one else has to know, but you can, you can have a lot of self-discovery and I think you'll learn a lot about yourself. 
Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. In answer, I love that you said a safe place to answer those questions. Cause I think sometimes people are almost af- just as afraid of their success as they are of their mm-hmm. failure. Like they're like, well, what if I do accomplish this? And now there's an expectation, you know, whether it's um, a fitness goal, it's a weight loss goal, it's a recovery goal. Like it's, there's fears associated with success and failure, which yeah. I think can play into some of the, uh, I keep saying self-sabotage, but you have, well, another- but that's, but we, but we can call it so like, I, we all know what that, what that means, but, but you're absolutely right. And you know, one thing we kind of talked about talking about, but we haven't talked about yet is the layers of self-sabotage. And mm-hmm. we already talked about how sometimes it's like the actual, like your physiology, 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 <laughs> those words, darn it. Um, physiology. Like for example, if your gut biome is um, unbalanced or you're not fueling your body well, one of my clients was on Noom and was recommended to eat 1200 calories a day. She's like, and I'm like, and did you stick with it? She's like, no, of course you didn't. Like, yeah, because it's like, you feel terrible. So sometimes it's actually what you're doing that the reasons why we don't stick with it. Um, sometimes it's our thoughts. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, the excuses. It's the things like, oh, this little thing won't count. Uh, I'll be get better tomorrow. And you know, all that kind of stuff that we can really work on. And then there's often those, like he said, those deep rooted fears or mm-hmm. limiting beliefs. I mean, a lot of the women I work with have a history of abuse in their life and, and fat is a protective mechanism mm-hmm. or it's a way, or food is, was love for them growing up. Or, um, Lisa mentioned fear of success, like they, or how am I going to cope life with life without this? Or now that I no longer need to work on work with, um, work on my, my weight loss, then what is the expectations of me? Oh, like, do I, yes. That's huge, right? <laughs> huge, huge. I have this woman right now who's lost a significant amount of weight and we're in the maintenance mode. And we have spent more time just talking about now what than any meal plan, <laughs> protein, especially like having, being in the place where like you hit a goal, especially for women, I think that have been so focused on a physical goal for so long. It's like now what? Yeah. And so there can be a lot of fear in that. So how do you talk people through that and those layers of self-sabotage that might pop up? Mm-hmm. So we do, a, I have a limiting belief workshop that in, in lesson that I have my programs that my, my clients go through which starts to, and and limiting beliefs are challenging because just like you mentioned that, that tune playing in your head, that's like the the nice song or the cat flashing the toilet song or whatever. Uh, Limiting beliefs are kind of like that. And sometimes they're so far in the background that we don't even know that they're there. And quite often the limiting, the beliefs have to come from like more of a surface level than we get, like we again, give ourselves that space, that space just to reflect and to, or you hear someone else say something and you're like, oh, that's it. And it can take a long time. Um, I have clients who have been working with me for over a year. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's it. Mm. And it just hits you. So, I, I mean, the first thing I think is just starting to identify what could be getting in the way and allowing yourself to be wrong. And and I'm a big fan of journaling, like asking your questions, like, like, what am I afraid of? Like, and I do this myself too. What am, what am I afraid of for, for why am I holding back in certain areas of my life? Like what, mm-hmm. what's the fears. And I also have a process for that. It's like, often we are afraid of like the what ifs, but we never actually answer the what ifs. We mm. say things like, well, what if I lose the weight and I have, um, and 
like what if I lose the weight and that 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 we said there about needing to uh, have the expectation that I should be doing something else I was like well is that true like or yeah, what if yeah answer <laughs> yeah like and actually like is it true that you need to go do something else is it true that you can't just be like enough mm-hmm. being there mm-hmm. and that's it and, and also having that kind of curiosity mindset like so like it's it's a journey like you don't know until you go. Right. And maybe it's going to be awesome. Maybe it's going to suck, but we can work on you, but have the confidence you're going to figure what you're, you can figure it out and you can get support. So it's even those things like, well, I might have these high expectations of myself. Well, it's like, well, then I can talk to someone I can get a counselor. I can continue working with Jess and she's can like sort my brain out a little bit and help <laughs> yeah. me do that. But there's so many unknowns that stop us before we start. And when we stop to just take a pause and answer those questions. It's so, so powerful. So I'd like to let you know for you then um, going back, I, I just rambled on for a bit there. Um, the discipline versus freedom. So you, you mentioned like going through this journey yourself, um, wanting to be more disciplined or being disciplined in, in certain areas. So how do you navigate that for yourself and for your clients too? Yeah. So it's definitely through the lens of being a dietitian. Um, it's, that's my jam. That's where I nerd out is like in the nutrition science piece. So where I started to feel safe in reintegrating discipline was looking at the nutrition science and my biofeedback. And that's really the model I operate in is what I call empowered eating, which overlaps those two and your values. And so I think I had to start looking at like, what, what is my body actually saying about the foods Mm. I'm eating? And it was actually a light bulb moment moment. I had, um, I had just had my first boy and I was working. I don't think I was full-time at the I think I was like 0.75 PT employees. So I was working like 30, 32 hours a week. And I was just exhausted. And part of it was like, okay, this is just being a mom. I'm not sleeping. I'm breastfeeding. Like I'm asking a lot of my body. I know that. And at the same time, I started looking at some of my lifestyle patterns and mm-hmm. I, I wasn't doing a lot of the things that I scientifically knew are beneficial. One of which is eating fruits and vegetables. <laughs> and I am someone, I have like some weird food aversions with food. It, it like fruits and veggies have to be a certain like temperature. I just got some weird stuff with it. So <laughs> for a period of time, when I was in my intuitive eating journey, I just didn't eat them. You know, I'd have like a apple a day. And beyond that, I just didn't have them because I don't prefer them. So after I had my son and I was working and realizing like I'm got nothing left after two o'clock PM, you know, I was like, I got to look at what I'm eating and what my body's actually saying about the food. So my husband and I did this little challenge where we started upping our fruit and veggie count by one, like every week or until we, we nailed it and then did it again. And eventually, I mean, it took months. We worked up to five plus servings a day, which is really like based on um, guidelines is closer to where we should be, <laughs> but I felt so good. You know, like my energy was completely changed. I was mm-hmm. sleeping better. I felt more confident in the breast milk I was giving my baby. So, so much came into that. Um, so yeah, I think I just had to listen to what my body was saying. And then when I did, and I gave it the space to do that, it felt safer. And so that kind of opened the door to do it more and do it more. And I found that like to what you were saying, Tanya, I started doing some of the things I had done before, but the intention was totally different. Yeah. You know, I got back in the gym. Um, I didn't work out for a period of time. And then I got back in the gym and I started like pushing myself and challenging myself. And it was, it was for the reason of fun and feeling more energetic as opposed to like 
I'm not good enough. I have to prove myself, you know, totally different intent. And it just kind of spiraled. And now, oh, I love discipline. Like it's something I look forward to. I'm like, what am I going to be disciplined about this month? Because I see the doors it opens now and how much better it helps me to take care of my body and therefore serve my family and my mission and my job. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's a snowball effect. Ah, so good. Yeah. Um, actually I recorded a podcast yesterday. Uh, so by the time this one goes on, my podcast will be <laughs> already released, but on, is the diet working for you mm-hmm. and asking those questions to get some biofeedback. And I do the same thing. And, and I actually find that when I really, really assess my own, um, feelings and, you know, I have a little, actually I have right beside me on my desk here, but like do I feel full and satiated? Do I not have sweet cravings? Do I feel my energy? All that kind of stuff. I actually find also my desire for like those foods that, you know, kind of taste kind of good, but like I eat because they're there or they're like, you know, you have like right now, I think we have Reese's pieces, peanut butter thingies in our, in our pantry somewhere. But it's like, I actually don't, I look at my, I'm like, I actually don't really need them or want them because I don't have a sweet craving. My energy is like, restored. I feel great. And listening to your body is really, really amazing. But like we said at the very beginning, you need to also get to that point where you can, and that can also be by following some guidelines first. Yeah. And I want to expand on that because I think when we think biofeedback, people narrow it to hunger and satiety. And if we do that, then you're absolutely right. Those get out of whack, depending Mm -hmm. on what we've done. Like hunger completely fluctuates depending on what we eat. Mm -hmm. Our stomach size you know, expands or shrinks relative to how much volume we eat. So our hunger and satiety cues might be off, but there's other forms of biofeedback. And I share this because I do think like expanding what we define as biofeedback can help us to reestablish some of that trust in our body. But like biofeedback is your lab work. If your cholesterol is high or your blood pressure is high, that is biofeedback. That's your body telling you something is off. Um, Energy levels, like you were talking Mm -hmm. about. Sleep. Um, sleep. Yeah. Your the poop report, like what, what your, mm-hmm. your bowel movements look like lab work, all of those things are also biofeedback. So yeah, I think like if you, we look at the full definition of biofeedback, our body talks to us in so many different ways. And it's important to hear all of that because some of them get out of whack and we can't necessarily follow, but yeah, there's other things that we can use to guide some of the changes we need to make. Yeah. I love it. And when you do that, it's just, it's just feedback. It's, it's there's just no feedback. drama around it. That's all it is. It's just like, just, just numbers that are going to help guide your decisions. Oh, so good. So good. I love, you said emotional drama earlier. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> there's no emotional drama around it. It's, it's well, like a science experiment, right? Exactly. Well, that word experiment, I think is really helpful because it, it gets you to that more curiosity mindset. Like, well, let's just see what happens mm-hmm. when I, take this out of my diet or I, it's not like for the rest of your life, but maybe your, your body's going to really respond well. And then you, then, you know, but you owe it to yourself to, to try those kind of things. So I love it. So I'm curious right now, Tanya, what are you disciplined about and where do you implement sprinkles of flexibility in your own health journey? Oh, I'm, I guess, I don't know if I would call it discipline so much, but for me, it's like a hundred percent is my workouts. Like mm-hmm. I am, except for uh, as I recover from my fall, <laughs> I might be modifying a little bit, but even that I'm super flexible because I don't love, like, I, I don't love the rigidity of saying like, I need to do exactly this workout every day, or it's very uh, intuitive. And I think for my eating too, for the most part is um, pretty disciplined. Like I, 
but it also has sprinkles of flexibility too. I think maybe all of my life has, has some discipline. <laughs> I record a podcast. I release a podcast every week. That's uh, that's oh, a that's a lot of discipline. <laughs> yeah, that I do. But I think everything that I do will have some sprinkle of flexibility because mm. like you said, your body was healthy today, might be not be healthy tomorrow. And today, like my body is not going to want to go for a run or anything like that. And if you know, today I'm going to want to maybe go for a walk, maybe that's it. So I think for myself, it's, um, I can't think of anything that I am a hundred percent disciplined on. Um, when I do start habits, I do like to like do it every single day because I know it's so much easier. Like one thing I'm working on right now is, um, um, cold showers and, oh man, that's, you have to be disciplined to do that. I know Well, it's September and it's still warm out. So I think I might have a fighting chance if I do it now, but I've been doing 30 seconds cold, 30 seconds hot, um, four times. So I'll do my front and cold, then hot, and then I go my back and cold and then hot. And I do it two more times. Mm-hmm. And so far I'm like on day like seven. <laughs> so for me, that's a big win. That is a big win. That's hard. It's uh yeah, it's a lot of self-talk in there, but um, we'll see. We'll see. I also have rain nodes and I get really cold in the wintertime. So I'm not sure if it's going to be even beneficial or not, but maybe, or maybe it will, maybe we'll just like get everything going again. Who knows? But that's the sprinkle of flexibility, right? It's like you start off with this intention where you're going to commit to it for a certain amount of time, but then be open, like you say, flexible on the path to yeah. deviate if needed. If your body's like, nope, it's, you got this. It's too you cold. You are too cold. <laughs> <laughs> Redirect. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. How about yourself? So I would say same like the workouts. I'm very intentional with that because I know I also just enjoy it. Like I've got too. to the place where, yeah, I love it, but I'm super flexible with it depending on how I sleep. So I work out, I get up at an ungodly hour. I get up at like 4am. Um, it's my quiet time. And then I go to the gym at five 30, but if I don't sleep well, I, I don't get up and move. You know, I give myself that flexibility often. Um, which that's something I'm working on right now is my sleep hygiene. It's just something yeah. that is hard mm-hmm. for me. Um, so yeah, I would say that, but what I think, and you kind of touched on this, it's like, when you start practicing it, I think it was exercise. And then I definitely do it with food. Like one of my disciplines is having a veggie based meal, which helps me hit those fruit and veggie targets that I started long ago. But when you start doing that, it like transcends onto life and you start to see like disciplined and flexible with how we parent with our relationships, you Mm -hmm. know, and like, I think it's important to have both in all areas of our life. I agree because that goes back to like keeping the goal, the goal, but staying flexible with the path. I love that. Like like Mm -hmm. your workouts, like if you want your, your workout, your, your goal is to be a fit, strong woman, but if you're not sleeping, it is actually counterproductive to Mm -hmm. do a hard workout. You do need to rest. And sometimes just getting up in the morning and keeping it slow or going for a walk is going to be what you need. And I think that's where we need to get away from this, um, like just all the rules and start to become better thinkers and start Mm -hmm. to ask ourselves our questions and just quiet down and and listen to our bodies. Cause you said like there's their body gives you lots of feedback. And, um, if we just stop to listen, it's, it's pretty helpful. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Just stop to listen, which most mm-hmm. of us don't do. No, we don't. So as we wrap up, actually, um, one of the questions I ask yourself, I, I just ask is what is the first thing you do in the morning? Um, and you mentioned going to the gym, but then from four to five 30, you have an hour and a half there mm-hmm. of quiet time. How do you spend that time? Oh, that is my favorite, one of my favorite hours of the day. 
Um, so I am a huge coffee drinker. I've got my adult pacifier, as I call it in my van. <laughs> um, and I I'm have a deep faith. So I spend that time praying, reading, journaling, and that's about it. It's a no tech time. Wonderful. Yeah. It's, and I say no tech I got to be honest. I'm not always perfect at that. It's so easy to get on your phone. That's a discipline I'm working on, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah, that's how I spend my time. What do you do first thing when you wake up? Uh, It used to be, well, first, uh, yeah. Um, well, pee and go to the coffee (laughs) and then I make my coffee as well. And actually, um, I had this rule check in with the universe before I check in with social media. And there's an app called app block and it blocks off social media until 7am. So it's just like, the I am extra writing little, that down. I know. So it's just like, I had a podcast on it. It's called the app that changed my life. It's just that one little environmental barrier that makes it just a little bit harder to go to the phone. It's just mm-hmm. like, why not, why not make, why not, if we want to have our sleep hygiene, if we want to get off tech, like let's just make it a little bit easier. So I've implemented that. And then generally I spend my day planning and journaling my morning um, with my, I have a fit and vibrant planner. Now I've shifted a little bit and I actually plan my day the night before I do most of my night mindset of in the night before, and I'm taking a course right now. So I've been getting up and studying and just enjoying that quiet time and doing that. So I know like one of my habits has always been like journaling and getting my mindset um, ready to go. But I know like, again, that flexibility piece, like right now, the studying is really uh, uh, important. And then generally I, I used to go to the gym or work out or run or everything uh, first thing in the morning. But like we've mentioned <laughs> so I it before, I'm playing around with doing it later mm-hmm. in the day because I also I walk my son to school every morning and that takes about an hour to get there and back so if I can walk in the morning and then do something active in the afternoon that's sort of like my I can re-energize myself at that time so awesome we'll play around with it we'll see how it goes it's, it's a little bit of a journey and you know trying trying different things it's been such a great time talking to you today Tanya I'm grateful for you and for what you're doing and just for this connection yeah, me too. I know we started with talking about self-sabotage. I think we I did talk about that, but we also, I mean, it all, it's all connected, right? Like mm-hmm. it's all like the, the discipline with flexibility that relates to self-sabotage, the gut health, the, um, all of it. So I'm glad, I think we, I think we covered the topic in <laughs> lots of different areas, different um, angles. So good. So good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.